Welcome to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One, where I explore the world of geocaching. If you enjoy the show, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Geocache Adventures Facebook page. You can also follow Geo Adventures on Buy Me a Coffee for a behind the scenes look on every episode. That's one word G E O Adventures. It's free to follow, or you can become a member and unlock exclusive posts and information. Your memberships go a long way for helping support the podcast and are greatly appreciated. Hi, everybody. Amy, Shadow Dragon One here. And with me today is Sunny from the Podcaster Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, gl- glad to be here. So first of all, I like to ask my guests, what is your geocaching name and how did you get started in the geocaching? Well, that's a great question. Uh, actually, my geocaching name has sort of changed over time. Originally, it was iTrax. Okay, so this was during the time of, um, yeah, a lot of things had I in front of it. So I started with iTrax. So I think I think the iPod was out. Maybe that was it. Anyway, um, so my name was iTrax, and Sandy's name was Foxtail. And she got that name because we were hiking one time, and she got a bunch of foxtails in her in her socks and we thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> um, but we, instead of being iTracks and Foxtail after a while, our name eventually uh, became Team Podcaster, which kind of better suited us. And we were more like a geocaching team. And then our son came along and he became part of Team Podcaster as well. So our, so our current geocaching name is Team Podcaster. And how did you first get into geocaching? Yeah, well, uh, way back when geocaching first started, I think it was only a year old. It might have been, I, don't know, I think it was 2001. I, I read about this cool hobby in a National Geographic Explorer magazine, so a print magazine. Um, I was sitting at home reading about it. I'm like, wow, that's cool. And uh, they described how there were geocaches and underwater caves and on the side of cliffs and all this kind of stuff. And I went, that's cool. I wonder if there's any in San Diego. And sure enough, there was some to go find. So I went down to my local store, bought a Garmin dedicated GPS and I started geocaching. And so that was uh, me. And then uh, Sandy and I were married in 2004 and, um, and I introduced her to geocaching via um our very first blind date and eventually my my proposal story of how I proposed to her involved geocaching but that that whole thing can be a story for another time <laughs> that's that's pretty neat though you guys have been yeah. podcasting and geocaching together for a while can you yeah. tell us a bit about the podcaster podcast for somebody who may not be familiar with with it what can they expect when they tune in yeah so the podcast, uh, the way I, we, we've always designed it and produced it is it's sort of a variety show. And we try to bring in, um, you know, of course, everything related to geocaching, but news, tips and tricks, uh, tools of the trade, interviews, um, stories, and caching trips from all around the world. So we, we have contributions from a lot of our listeners for the stories and, and whatnot, and videos and, and, uh, and photos, but we also like to kind of mix it up so we have different entertaining things on there and so yeah a variety show you, you come listen to it it's family friendly that's one of our tenets we want to make sure that um you know audiences can listen to it in the car going to go geocaching with their kids and not worry about it um and we just essentially try to mix it up so it's not 
always one thing. Um, and so far it's working out pretty good. How long has the podcast been going on for? 17 years. Uh, we started in July of 2005. Wow. That is an impressive yeah. run. Yeah. Yeah. We're uh, getting very close to uh, show number 800 pretty soon. Do you guys ever have moments where you're trying to plan topics and you just, after 17 years, aren't sure what you're going to do anymore? <laughs> you know, um, occasionally, but like I said, we get contributions from our listeners. So sometimes they will provide um, sometimes a great deal of things that go into our podcast. And other times they just provide us with maybe um, a talking point, a topic. And then um, Sandy's the producer of the show. So she, you know, might get an idea or bounce it off me. And then we get it ready for the weekend. Sometimes that's easier. Sometimes we actually have a surplus, if you will, of, um, of material. And, you know, unless, unless we make the show two hours long, we, we, we have to cut it. And so we leave some stuff for the, for the following week. Other times it's lean and we're like, okay, what, um, you know, we have a, we have a topic, but it's not necessarily going to be 35 minutes, uh, worth of material. So what do we do? And, and that's when we sometimes will look into, uh, our archives. We, we have a method where we will set aside material and say, okay, this, this is timely and this one's timeless. And so those things that aren't necessarily timely, we can set off to the side and say, okay, this would be a good time to talk about this particular thing. So yeah, it, you know, it varies. Sometimes we have an overabundance. We'll have to make two shows on, on a certain topic. There's just so much. And in fact, on times that we go to, uh, a, a geocaching event of, of magnitude, like, you know, one of these huge events, uh, we might have to spread, spread it over multiple shows, like three or four shows. Wow. And how often does the podcast come out? Is it weekly or biweekly or how often? Every week, every week, every single week. Yeah. Besides this awesome podcast you guys have, uh, you're here to talk to me today about the worldwide flash mob geocaching event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for people that may not be familiar with this, can you kind of give us an idea of what a worldwide flash mob event is? All right. Yeah. So on the show, we talk about it as, as the WWFM, the worldwide flash mob. And um, so, so let me give you a little bit of background. Sandy and I attended many mega events where there, there are these huge events that span multiple days with so many um, activities and, you know, have food and lunch and dinner and, and, and you know, all, all this stuff, shows and et cetera. And I, I came back from that and I'd heard about flash mobs in general. And I wasn't, I was aware of them, but wasn't completely. So I, I looked into it and what they are, you know, obviously a flash mob, a whole bunch of people get together, do something strange for a quick amount of time, stun the locals, right? The local muggles, like what just happened? And I said, hey, we should do that for geocaching. And, and so I thought about doing it here in San Diego. But then I thought, you know what? We've got a worldwide audience. We've got people around the world listening to the show. Why not make it a worldwide event? And so that's when it was born, uh, the worldwide flash mob. Um, we, we started in May of 2007. And we basically said, we're going to do one in San Diego. Why don't you out there listening all around the world organize your 
Um, the entire thing is going to be 15 minutes or so. And then so, um, yeah, we, we, we kind of encourage other people. And, and people took to it. They, they loved the idea of <laughs> being somewhere public, doing something strange, you know, pretty harmless. Gets them in the spotlight for a short amount of time. And, uh, and, and basically is the, uh, um, the opposite of, of a huge mega event. So it's, instead, instead of a big mega event lasting several days, it was basically the shortest event that we can think of. And we decided to say, oh, we'll still have giveaways. We'll have um, some activity. And, and then, of course, we, we've got to have the event meal which uh, traditionally here in San Diego is Hershey's Kisses. <laughs> so we give everybody, everybody gets one Hershey's Kiss as their event meal. <laughs> uh, and then, and then we, we have little giveaways and then everybody disperses and, and goes back into the woodwork. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, when you guys set, put this out there for the very first time, mm -hmm. what kind of participation did you expect to get? Well, it's kind of like anything else, you know, I mean, um, we, we weren't really risking anything with it. Right. So we didn't know what kind of participation we were going to get, we, but we wanted to do it anyway. It's going to be fun. We, we, um, I, I really enjoy doing like things to just kind of check to see what the, uh, you know, the environment's like. So when we first started in 2007, we were, you know, we did it once and we said, Oh, that was pretty good. Um, Around the world, there's was, there was only two countries that participated, but there was um, a total of 20 events. Okay. And a, th a th thousand people. And then so we say, hey, let's do it again. So we did it in November and uh, 83 events. So from 20 to 83. And then uh, nine countries, you know, the United States being one, but nine countries participated. In, and, uh, and, and the second worldwide flash mob, number two, we already had 4,000 people from 1,000. And it just grew and grew and grew. Um, but there was a, there was a pinnacle. There was a point where, uh, the, the most amount of people, the most amount of countries showed up. And then after that, it sort of faded a little bit. I, I think, you know, flash mobs in general have, you know, sort of been done, <laughs> but, um, yeah, but, but I think the, the interesting thing is that every single year, I mean, right after we do the flash mob and we come home, we're already getting emails saying what, what, that was so much fun. When's the next one? Yeah. <laughs> when, when's the, when's the date for the next one? And we're like, Oh my gosh, we just got home from the one we just did. <laughs> so uh, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So how often do they happen? Is it once a year, every six months? How often do you plan it? Yeah, well, that's a good question. So the first three years we did it uh, twice a year, we did it approximately May and then approximately November. And, and part of the reason for that was we wanted to make sure that we were um, being cognizant of uh, both the Northern and the Southern hemisphere. And, you know, so, so it gave people a chance to uh, choose which when they wanted to do, but it just kept growing. However, um, we decided that, that after a while we stopped doing it twice a year. I think it was in 2009 to 2010. Then we started doing it once a year. Yeah. Okay. And when is the next one scheduled for? Uh, the next one is scheduled for September 24th of 2022. September 24th. Yeah, September 24th. There is time to plan. <laughs> yeah, there is. Mm -hmm. If people want to participate, 
how do they join into the worldwide flash mob? Are there guidelines? Are there regulations? Do you, oh, yeah. does everybody do the same thing? Are they responsible for coming up with their own idea? How does this work? So uh, my biggest suggestion is to go to GC, so like geocaching, gcwwfm.com. And we, and so again, that's gcwwfm.com for geocaching worldwide flash mob. And we bought that domain and basically it has one purpose and that's to not only uh, be an archive of all the historical information from the previous flash mobs, but also tons of resources for people to not only, you know, get the idea of what a, a geocaching worldwide flash mob is, but also for hosts to have everything, a one-stop shopping, everything they need to, to understand some tips and tricks on how to host a worldwide flash mob. Um, we, we try to really lower the uh, entrance threshold, so to speak, of, of anybody who wants to host a worldwide flash mob and what you need to do. And to answer your question, um, the themes vary. I mean, it is only bounded by, you know, geocachers imaginations, which is boundless. I mean, they, they come up with some of the wackiest, weirdest, fun stuff. And we've had participation again from around the world, from Switzerland and Germany, that is just astounding on both what they do and, and the number of people that show up to these things. So it's, it's a lot of fun. As a participant, uh, it'll show up as an event near you. So you, you can just show up um you know read the event page find out what it's all about maybe maybe everybody's dressing in raincoats or maybe you're you're supposed to bring bubbles uh or 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 i don't know prepare to be a mine <laughs> but uh w whatever it is um you know you 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 want your your local group to be unified somewhat um we're pretty detail oriented here. So we, we get ready in the sense that we get, cause we know we're going to need volunteers. You can't run it or we don't on, on just Sandy and I, we have volunteers to give out the event meal, Hershey's kisses and to collect uh, uh, trackables and things like that. So we have uh, volunteers that we prearrange to meet at a certain location, not too far from ground zero, but yeah, it's so much fun. It's well-established how to do one. So whether or not you want to be a host or a participant, there's lots of information at gcwwfm.com. Your local ones that you host, what kind of size scale do you typically see for those? Um, you know what? They go above and slightly below 200. Wow. Yeah. We'll show up at a park and there might be, I don't know, I think we hit 280 one year and then, you know, some years it's 180. Um, it's been a little bit smaller recently, but that still doesn't make it any less fun. And, and every single year, my biggest challenge is to come up with something that's both fun and unique, uh, at least to San Diego. So we've had a kazoo band, we've had a pa paper airplane uh, race contest, we've had, uh, oh, it, one year it was on May the 4th, May the 4th, and so it was May the 4th be with you. And I, <laughs> and I did, a, I did a, a, a variation of Simon Says, and it was Yoda Says. Um, where Yoda mm. says what to do. And then I, I, I learned how to be a good, um, I don't know what you call that, a, you know, the person who calls out the, the commands. I, yeah. I went online and I learned how to do that. And at first I thought I would do the whole thing, you know, in Yoda's voice. Mm. But <laughs> I, I couldn't keep it up for the whole event. But that was fun. Yeah, we have done so many. I, I, I've, I've lost track of all. Oh, once we had Signal the Frog and everybody was a paparazzi. 
so people here that in San Diego, sense. yeah, here in San Diego, we've we try to do something different and unique, and uh, I, I think we, I think we've uh, been able to please everyone. Have you started planning for this year? Yeah, we have. Um, I already have some ideas, but I'm not going to give it away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's top Fair secret. Enough. That's top secret. But um, yeah, already we already have an idea of what we're going to do. But each time, it's you know one of the greatest challenges, at least here in San Diego because of the amount of people that show up mm-hmm. is where do you host it? You know, you don't want to make it so everybody has to pay for parking. So you got to find a place that's got a lot of parking. Right. Um, and, and so you might think, oh, we'll just go to this place. There's a lot of parking. Well, another thing is you, you don't want to go to some place that is barren, like is in the middle of nowhere. Cause yeah, you can find a place that has a lot of parking, but then who's going to see you and what good is it? if all of your zany antics are, are only seen by, you know, the, the local flora, right? <laughs> uh, you, you want it so that you're, you're somewhere in the middle of muggles um, and you can do something silly and goofy and, and sort of get recognized. So many times here in San Diego, we've chosen areas that are large, free parking and, and um, public spaces where we know we're going to run into a lot, a lot of muggles. So do you tend to move around the location from year to year then? Yeah, yeah, we do. We, we, we try to, use, and um, if you're familiar with San Diego or just take a look at it on the map, there's lots of options. Uh, you know, we've got San Diego Bay, Coronado Island. There's lots of beaches. There's, um, uh, yeah, Mission Bay. But one, uh, there's Old Town. There's, but one place that we've hit several times is Balboa Park. And that's a public, large par- public park here in San Diego that actually has um, more square mileage than Central Park in New York. Oh. So it's, yeah, it's rather large and, and it's got a lot of uh, charm and character to it. So we've chosen that location many times because, because of those uh, uh, limitations that I spoke of, the parking as well as a, a public place where we can be goofy. With such large numbers, I imagine COVID really put a dampener on this event the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, it. I mean, especially the first year, you know, I mean, um, you know, the whole world was, and in San Diego, it, it's just better to be safe than sorry. And right. as we were finding out more and more, um, you know, but, but the, I, I, I support the the cautionary uh, stance of it. Like, well, we don't know, and I'm not going to jump to a conclusion that you know we're fine. So yeah, I did, and um, I respected the safety of well, well, all the participants really. I mean, if we encourage people to say, "Hey, let's have a wild worldwide flash mob," I, I would, you know, I I feel responsible if uh, it it caused some kind of outbreak somewhere. Right. Yeah, um, that could get out of hand real quick well it could you know and 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 one thing is we are the organizers of, of the central one here in san diego for other people and that's the other thing i don't know if i mentioned many countries stick with the concept of timing their flash mob no matter where they are australia switzerland japan no matter where they are they, they time their flash mob at the exact same time that we're doing ours here in san diego at 10 o'clock oh wow so that might be 3 a.m. And, and, and it's, it's surprising how many geocachers will get up to be at a worldwide flash mob at 3 a.m. <laughs> um, other countries have decided, okay, we'll do it at our t- 
time on the same day. But it's, uh, it's surprising that that happens. But anyway, so yeah, we, um, we've, uh, we, we had to be careful to say, you know, we're going to hold a worldwide flash mob and have people make decisions and then maybe do something that's unsafe uh, during, the, during the, the height of the pandemic. Right. Well, yeah. hopefully this year, fingers crossed, everything goes smoothly and that yeah. even is able to, to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, we're relying on all, all the geocachers and hosts to be prudent about and, you know, wise about what they do, where they do it, um, et cetera, et cetera. But I think with some precautions, it can be done safely. It, for the most part, it's held outdoors. Um, you know, mo most of them hold it outdoors. And so uh, there's that level of safety. <laughs> and I remember one year, one country decided to do it and they, they everybody was like six feet apart <laughs> like like it's like all spread out and, and seeing the picture of that is kind of funny on its own but uh yeah oh that would be an interesting picture yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah do you have a favorite memory from a worldwide flash mob oh my gosh uh that's a good question i don't know you know i um we, we've had so many and the ones I've already described to you, the, the, um, the hot wheels race. Um, I think maybe one that was kind of special was the one where, where signal showed up. And again, it was a Balboa park and, um, signal the frog. <laughs> and you gotta understand this is, a, this is a public park where there are lots and lots of muggles and, uh, Signal the Frog showed up and um, we told all of the participants to bring cameras and be paparazzi, you know, like, 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 like paparazzi for the red carpet. And so Signal basically had a path that we designated. He would start here, walk here, end here. And along that path, we, we had so many people with cameras, both real genuine cameras and other people that made like cardboard cutout cameras that were just audacious to take pictures of signal as he strolled through Bel Belbo park. And then we had the other people who were like, um, you know, fans. Oh my gosh, it's signal. Look. <laughs> and, and you should have seen like the muggles going, what is going on? Because obviously this giant green frog is walking through and people are taking pictures of him and, you can see other people like, maybe, maybe I should take a picture too. Maybe it's somebody famous. <laughs> so I think community involvement, you know, anytime that happens is, is one of the, the great things about doing a flash mob. We, we, um, early on, because we were concerned that people would be concerned, if that makes sense, about what's going on. Uh, we had people that had, uh, we passed out little um, piece of paper to our, vet, our volunteers so they can pass it out to somebody who's like, what's going on? And we would hand it to them and it would say, this is a worldwide flash mob by geocachers. If you want to learn more about geocaching, go here, blah, 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 blah. Um, in fact, we, one of our geocachers was an on-duty police officer, San Diego PD, right? Okay. And he, he would purposely show up uh, at our worldwide flash mob and just be there and we wanted him there he's a great guy and one of the reasons was because if a crowd sees this thing happening and there's already a police officer there they know oh it, it must be okay you know mm. so it kind of cal calmed there yeah 
but we've had so many, I, I wish I could narrow it down to, to more than that, but we've had so many great experiences and uh, San Diego geocachers like geocachers around the world are just so much fun and willing to, you know, uh, make fun of themselves and, and, uh, and be goofy in front of a crowd. It, it, it's a lot of fun. It sounds like a lot of fun. Do you have any advice for somebody who's thinking about hosting an event to be part of this? Yeah, well, a couple things. As I, as I mentioned earlier, go to gcwwfm.com. It, it will, if you're concerned about it at all, go there, read some of the documents. We have documents to print out. We have um, suggestions. We have examples of previous flash mobs. So that will, that will bring down any anxiety really quick because you'll say, oh, okay, that's all it is. The second thing is um, make sure that you elicit the help of just a few, you know, two, three, four, five other geocachers in your area to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this and could use your help. And the help can be very low level help. It's, it's like, can you hold this box that says um, trackables and then you'll be responsible or, or, or can you hold this bucket that has trade items uh, or can you pass out these these um, we learned a long time ago there's no way you're going to be able to pass around a single logbook for everybody to sign right right so one of the things we learned was um, we print up little strips of paper that is a log sheet so everybody gets a strip of paper you sign your strip of paper and then we collect it in, the, in a bucket and then at the end of the day everyone whose strips of paper were in that bucket is that's the log sheet, right? Okay. So, so, so somebody has to pass out those strips of paper, and that's what a volunteer would do. Oh, and then, and then of course, you have the, <laughs> the catering service. You, you hand them a, a plastic bag full of, of, of Hershey's Kisses, <laughs> and they go around and just distribute the fun, and the, you know, the, the chocolate. Um, those would be the biggest tips. Uh, make sure that you can get a, little, a, a couple people to help you. Go to GCWWFM, learn more about it, and uh, – yeah, it's, a, it's amazing and surprising how um, it comes together. People all do their thing, and then it's over. It's done. It's done with. Another funny thing, though, you're supposed to disperse. Like, everybody's supposed to go away. But I tell you, geocachers do not want to go away. They, they want to stick around each other and chat and talk. And, like, you're like shoo, go away. It's, <laughs> it's over. It's over. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I've got to ask, what do you do with all the slips of paper? the log slips in that bucket did they all get put into one giant log at the end of the day or no, <laughs> no. well what, what sandy does here in san diego uh we'll we'll go over and see who was there and tally up uh the number just so we know how many there were uh in san diego and by the way we have um and and it's been going on for a while i don't know if she's going to volunteer this year but we have a volunteer podcaster, listener, geocacher uh, named Fluteface, who is uh, very detail oriented and and keeps and, and tracks the other geocaching uh, flash mobs around the world, so we can get a total um, from from those other ones as well. Okay. So, but to, to answer your question, our slips of paper basically we kind of log and see who was here, how many, because you know, like one slip of paper might count for three people in a geocaching family right? right so that's three people so we just kind of keep track of it and then we realize oh we had 250 today or, or whatever yeah okay mm, yeah is there anything else about the worldwide flash mob event that we should know 
No, uh, just just to kind of mark your calendars for that date coming up on September 24th. Uh, if you want to participate, I would. Oh, here's another tip. If you are somebody who doesn't feel comfortable being the organizer, find the person who is in your local area, right? <laughs> and because um, because also sometimes all you have to do is give them the idea, wind them up, and let them go. And so if there's somebody in your local area who is like choice to be the worldwide flash mob host, let them know about this. Um, point them to gcwwfm.com uh, and, and say, wouldn't this be fun to do here? And I'll help you and uh, let them go. And then they can host it, figure out something fun and get it rolling. But, but as far as what to do, yeah, I, I would look out for the event that's near you because they happen in so many places that you're most likely bound to be able to, to get to one. And if not, consider hosting one yourself. We've made it as easy as possible. It's a lot of fun. Um, you know, you won't regret it. There have been flash mobs of all different shapes and sizes. Genuinely, I mean, you don't have to have 200 people show up. Even if you have, you know, five or 10 of your best friends showing up to, to just be goofy in a public place for a short amount of time is still a lot of fun. So I'd encourage you to take a look at gcwwfm.com encourage uh, somebody in your local area to put put the event together and uh, we can all uh, share this uh, shared geocaching worldwide experience together on that same day that sounds awesome yeah so for the cash highlight this week um, you have agreed to do a cash highlight for us and this one is gc 7 y f r2 pirates of misty cove dead man's chest <laughs> Yeah. So tell us yeah. about this one. It it looked like I looked it up earlier. It was a mystery puzzle cache. Yeah. So this was a five five cache in Georgia. It was on a lake, uh, and it was on an island in a lake. And we were out in Georgia because we were out there for the going caching event that we love to do each year. And I believe this was prior to the event actually uh, happening. We had a couple of our listeners from Australia come out, and they said they wanted to rent a boat and wanted to get a bunch of caches around this, this lake in Georgia. So of course we said, sure. <laughs> and so um, Graham and Kitty Cash uh, rented a boat and a bunch of us piled in. And on this lake, there were several caches we got, but the coolest one was, um, was this Pirates of Misty Cove. And it was a pirate themed cache. And, and it, it had really cool ambiance. You walked onto the island, and there's no other way to get onto this little tiny island except, except by a boat. But when you got there, there was like, they had, they had put so much effort into it to make it cool. They, they had put out uh, stuff that you might see at Halloween time, you know, like skeletons okay. and tombstones and 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 yeah full skeletons and skulls and pirate pirate things and and um and so when we got there we felt like wow we were being treated to somebody's hard effort this is not a a, a, a simple film can under a lamppost skirt you know some thing that somebody just threw out there and at the end there was a twist but it really was a group effort uh and we were first to find oh really yeah and so the uh, two people from Australia that came out were Kitty Catch and uh, Grim, Grim Raider. Uh, Z Grav and uh, uh, P Phoenix also came out with us. But um, 
yeah, we were first to find on that. So it was a, it was a group effort and it was a lot of fun. Um, but that was out at Lake Lanier and we were getting old caches as well. So some, some of the caches that had been out there for a long time, we, we, we got those as well, but it was a great experience. Incredible day. Weather was perfect. You're in good company with geocachers and, um, you know, that was one for the book, definitely memorable and, and one that sticks out. Uh, do you remember, was it a really difficult puzzle as well to solve? Uh, I don't think, especially with all the people that we had there, I don't, I don't think it was super difficult to solve. I, I think, um, I think there were just uh, different pieces of it, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Okay. Well, it sounds like a lot of effort went into that. It sounds like a really, really neat yeah. setup that they had for that. Yeah. Well, Sonny, thank you so much for joining me today and talking to me about your podcast and the Worldwide Flash Mob and doing the cash highlight. I really appreciate yeah. you taking the time to do this today. Absolutely. And uh, just for your listeners, uh, not only to learn more about uh, the geocaching uh, Worldwide Flash Mob at GCWWFM, but to hear more tips and tricks and uh, the variety show that I told you about, you can head on over to podcasher.com. The website itself is chock full of uh, material, but it also leads you to our podcast, which you can listen to each and every week. And I will link to your podcast website and the WWFM website on the show notes for easy access for anybody here. Perfect. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Geocache Adventures. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have you heard of FTF Magazine? It's the magazine for geocachers, filled with articles and snippets sent in by geocachers just like you. I'm a subscriber myself, and I love it. Check them out today at ftfgeo.com and tell them Shadow Dragon 1 sent you. Would you like to be a guest on a show or have a topic you'd like to hear covered? Reach out and let me know. Just go to the geocacheadventures.org website and click on the contact page to reach out.